Welcome to the Relationship Help Show, your time with Dr. Roberta Shaler, the Relationship Help Doctor. Through the magic of the internet, Dr. Shaler provides urgent and ongoing care for relationships in crisis to people throughout the world, and she's here for you now. Whether you are experiencing a momentary blow-up or the crazy making of life with a partner, ex, child, or parent who is relentlessly difficult, you'll get your questions answered and enjoy her expert guests. Settle in with Dr. Roberta Shaler now. Leave the drama behind and find peace of mind on today's Relationship Help Show. Here's Dr. Shaler. Hello and welcome. I'm so glad that you're here. And what's really important to me about you being here is that you really care about the quality of your life, that you're really ready to take some action and learn some things, get some new insights or see some new patterns of what's going on in you and within your relationships. And when you are a seeker, when you're endeavoring to make things better, I can help. And I'm so glad that you're here. Now, we talk a lot here about what I call relentlessly difficult people, and they're often disturbing people as well. It's just not a nice place to be or great people to be around. And yet there's something incredibly attractive and magnetic about them for most of us. And so today we're going to talk about something new in the world of hijackals. And you know, that's my term that I coined so that we don't talk about clinical things. I don't see that it's helpful to talk about clinical diagnoses because most people are not capable of making a diagnosis, but they know the traits and the behaviors and the feelings that they're having. And that's what they go searching for online. And then they find those labels. So I coined the term hijackles to describe those people who just hijack relationships and always for their own good, for their own purposes, for their own wins. And while they're hijacking those relationships, they are relentlessly scavenging them for power, for status, for control. Now, if that sounds familiar to you, you may have been with a hijackal, you may be with a hijackal, you may have been raised by a hijackal or divorced one, or you may work with one or find someone in the community. And as you learn these patterns and the traits of hijackals, because they all drink from the same pool of traits, all of a sudden you'll realize it's not you, it's them. But they make a life work about making it all about you. It's your fault. You cause everything. Everything that's going wrong in the relationship is because of something you did or didn't do or because of someone you are or are not. Does that sound familiar? Is there somebody in your life who is always finding fault with you? Someone who always says that things would have been better except for you, what you did or didn't do? Hijackals are just focused on keeping the winning going. They want to win no matter what. And they want to win in this moment and the next moment and the next moment. So what does that mean? It means to win in this moment, they may have to say black is black. And 20 minutes later, to win, they may have to say that black is white. And when you say to them, but 20 minutes ago, you said that black is black. They say, well, you don't listen very well. You're not paying attention to what I'm talking about because I never would have said black is black. Right? 
you're shaking your head. Yes, that's familiar. And that's what hijackles do. They need to win in the moment. So do you have a hijackle lurking somewhere in your life now or somewhere, I hope, in the very distant past? And you know that because of the things I just mentioned, but also you feel vaguely anxious about them and around them. If you have to see them, you get a little bit upset. You get a little bit hypervigilant because you never know what's coming out of left field with a hijackal. And they need to press you down and oppress you and suppress you, and they end up depressing you. And so this program is all about helping you with those relentlessly difficult and often disturbing people. They twist your words. Like I said, they make everything your fault, and they take responsibility for nothing except really good things. So if you try to call them to account or you try and say, why can't we partner with this? How can you partner with someone who has to win? It's kind of a losing game. So it's important for you to recognize these traits and to realize that the patterns recur and recur and recur. I was speaking to a client the other day, and I have clients all over the world through the magic of the internet. And if you want to talk to me about that, just go to fourrelationshiphelp.com. So I was talking to a client the other day who is in the process of getting a divorce. And the divorce is caused because the hijackal wanted to win, was having a secret affair, and thought she was going to get away with it but didn't get away with it. So then it's got to be somebody else's fault. Then it became time to divide up the assets and to win, she had to have the house. Why? Because he wanted it. It's that straightforward. Did she think about all that went into having to have the house and what she would have to do and how much it would cost and the maintenance and all? No, not at all. Because hijackals need to win in the moment, they don't think about the consequences for later. So sure enough, she got the house. So she had to buy her partner out. And that was a very expensive process for her. So guess what? Now she's angry and resentful because she has a mortgage, because she has to look after the house, because it takes a lot of time and attention. And he never told her how much time it took. <laughs> now it's his fault that she needed to have the house. You see how that works? Now, you may have some examples in your own life about that because they're not going to take responsibility for anything or the consequences of anything that they did. So you will always be wrong. You will always be backed into a corner. And once you can step back and see that, once you can say, what if it's not me? The hijackle keeps telling me it's me, but what if it isn't? Just play that what if for a moment. Sit back and say, ah, I'm beginning to see the repeating pattern. And I can't do anything about changing that hijackle's pattern. I only have the power to do things about changing me, my approach, 
the words that I use, the strategies that I think through. All of those things are up to me. And that's where your power is. So if this is beginning to, to sound familiar, you might want to know if you're with a hijackle. So I wrote a little, uh, well, not so little, free ebook. It's called How to Spot a Hijackle. And you can get that free. Just simply go to hijackles.com and you'll see a big button there that says get the ebook and it'll take you right to the page to put in your email address and get that. So be sure to get your copy of How to Spot a Hijackle because it talks about the patterns and traits in there too. And that will help you. Even if you think you already know you're with a hijackle, this will cement the deal for you. So how do I know so much about hijackles? Well, it's pretty simple. I've, I had some relationships that didn't go so well. And even though I have a PhD in psychology, I'm thinking, oh, there must be something wrong with me. And so I started to look at what were the patterns, what was actually happening here. And I realized that I, I had a very, very hijackal mom and a very extreme passive aggressive father. So we're going to talk about this in today's question a little later about how that works. But when you're raised by hijackals, then you only have two ways to go. Either you're going to uh, mimic the hijackal and become one, or you're going to become what I call hijackal bait. You will be normalized to being treated poorly, and therefore you are going to accept that treatment from potential partners. So I had to get my act together and there really wasn't anybody who could help me because they didn't know all this that many years ago. So I had to dig in and realize what actually happens to you when you're raised by hijackals. What are the mindsets? What are the ways that you look and feel about yourself? What is actually imbued in you from an early age? And then what do you do about this ability you now have to put up with hijackles and to attract more because you're already trained to, to live with a hijackal mentality? So in today's question, we will uh, answer that more. So it's really the whole catastrophe, you know, as, as was in the, the Fiddler on the Roof, the whole catastrophe is being raised by a hijackal, attracting a hijackal, marrying a hijackal, having children with a hijackal, divorcing a hijackal, co-parenting with a hijackal, and then recovering. So I have two programs to help with that because first we need to know how to handle hijackles. So that's the first. And the second one is called hijackle recovery and rediscovery because you have to rediscover yourself. And it's not surprising that you're going to meet a hijackle. Most everybody does because one in 25 people has a tendency to hijackle traits. Wow. huh? One in 25 people. Highly likely you're going to meet one or come up against one or attract one. So that's pretty important. So today's question is, and it was asked by several people, how does a person become a hijackal and how do you become hijackal bait? 
Now I'm going to talk a lot more about hijackal bait in another episode, but today I want to generally address these questions because if you're listening to the show live, feel free to call in and ask a question. You can do that at 888-627-6008. But in today's episode, I want to address this because you need to understand that it started before you even had language. And that's what happens to a hijackal. It happens through adverse childhood experiences. Now, that's a real thing, adverse childhood experiences. There was a huge study done in San Diego in 1998 where they looked at, Kaiser Permanente looked at thousands of people, thousands of patients in their system. And it was uncovered that there is an incredible link, and I don't think this should be a surprise to any of us, an incredible link between childhood trauma and the chronic diseases people develop as adults, as well as their social and emotional problems. Now, that's not rocket science. But when you do a study of that nature, which was so large, and you have such a population to look at, you can learn a whole lot about those links and about how that actually comes into being. And that's really important for you because it's helpful. And Tom Insel, the director of the National Institute of Mental Health, he commented this way. He said, abuse and neglect in childhood lead to disorganized brains that are typically overrun by the limbic, that's the feeling, eruptions of fear, shame, and rage. Abuse and neglect in childhood lead to disorganized brains that are typically overrun by the limbic eruptions of fear, shame, and rage. All right, so if you've experienced abuse or neglect in your childhood, then you would be likely to have exacerbations of fear or shame or rage. So how do you know if you had adverse childhood experiences? What we tend to do when, when we've been with a hijackal is we minimize the damage that has been done to us. Our internal conversation is, oh, it wasn't that bad, or oh, I should get over it, or there were people worse off than I was. You know that? And so we tend to minimize that. And when you tend to minimize that, it's problematic because then you don't start looking for solutions. You've added to the burden of making yourself the problem. And that's what you're trained to do when you're raised by, by hijackals. So when we come back from the break in a few minutes, I'm going to read you the 10 questions that allow you to know if you have had adverse childhood experiences that will lead to problems. But of the 17,000 people in that study, two-thirds of the people had a score of at least one out of 10. Two-thirds of them. And of that two-thirds, 87% of them had more than a score of one. Now, that's really something because we tend to, like I said, minimize what's happened to us. And when we do that, we don't heal from what's happened to us. That's a problem. 
because we tend to then, when we have been in difficult situations or neglect or abuse of any kind, we tend to be other person focused because as children, we had to become hypervigilant. Remember, we're not like cows and horses. We don't get spit out of our mother. She licks us off. Then we leap up and jump around the meadow. Human babies, we know we're blobs. We can't feed ourselves. We can't clean ourselves. We can't move ourselves. We can't do anything for ourselves. So we recognize that we are blobs and we need those giants. We need to keep those giants happy and figure out how to keep them happy so that they will move us and take care of us and feed us. And then when we get the information in our little tiny people that we're not worth it, that they're not going to take care of us. In fact, maybe they're mean to us or maybe they're yelling all the time. Then we don't know how to adapt to keep those giants happy. And in trying to adapt to keep the giants happy, we do some things that damage us a lot. We, we make changes within ourselves. We change the way we think about ourselves, the way we perceive ourselves to try and keep those misguided, maybe even hijackled giants happy. And that's where the problem starts. And now we have this huge study that tells us that not only are we going to have social and emotional problems likely as a result of that, but we're also going to be much more prone to particular diseases as adults. Now, that's a remarkably helpful study because we need to take a really good look at what has happened to us. We didn't set out to be hijackals or hijackal bait. We were set up for it by our early environment. And it's not our fault. And yet, like I said earlier, go meet a hijackal in your adult life. They'll tell you everything is your fault. Everything. That's how they win. That's how they get power over you. And it plays right into the fact that as a young child, you thought everything was your fault. I was working with a couple of small children who had recently, their parents had separated. And I said to the children, and particularly to the five-year-old, I said, do you know why daddy doesn't live with you anymore? And the little girl, the five-year-old, she said, oh, I do, I do. I said, well, why? She said, because I left my bicycle behind his car. That's how little brains work. They think they cause everything. So they think they cause you to be mean. They cause you to, to um, abuse them. They cause you to neglect them. And that's a big problem because we're not born with a fully developed brain. Our brain keeps growing and developing until we're somewhere in our early 20s. And particularly up until the age of seven or eight, we don't have the development of the prefrontal lobes that gives us rational linear thought. And we also don't have a good command of the language to speak about what's going on for us. And then we're with these people who don't care what's going on for us. No wonder we're going to have a problem. So when we look at this study, and when I give you these 10 questions, when we come back from the break, be ready. Be ready with a pencil to just keep score. How many out of 10 
happen to you. And you will get a good sense to go on to the rest of this half hour to talk about further implications and impacts of adverse childhood experiences. So we'll be right back after this break. Hello, this is Dr. Roberta Shaler. Are these stories and questions on today's show sounding familiar to you? Are you ready to say no more to the abuse from toxic people in your life? I'm so glad. You matter and you deserve to have real love, true love in your life. Love from yourself and love from others. Not that demeaning, discounting, and dismissive masquerade that a hijackal pretends is love. I can help you regain yourself, your self-esteem, your self-confidence after a life with a hijackal, whether it was your partner, an ex, a parent, or a child. Let's work together now. For individual sessions or small group coaching, visit forrelationshiphelp.com slash join. Talk soon. So we're back and we're looking today at adverse childhood experiences. And as I said earlier, it's a real thing. And we're in particular looking at the study done in 1998 by Kaiser Permanente, where we really looked at 17,000 people and learned a few things. So as I promised, I'm going to give you the 10 questions that are on the, um, the quiz to get your ACE score. ACE stands for Adverse Childhood Experiences. So here are the 10 questions. Prior to your 18th birthday, that's what you're answering from. So you got your pencil ready? Here we go. Number one, did a parent or other adult in the household often or very often swear at you, insult you, put you down, or humiliated you? Or did they act in a way that made you feel afraid you might be physically hurt? Number two, did a parent or other adult in the household often or very often push, grab, slap, or throw something at you or ever hit you so hard that you had marks or were injured? Question three, did an adult or person at least five years older than you ever touch you or fondle you or have you touched their body in a sexual way or did they attempt to have sex with you in any form? Question four, did you often or very often feel that no one in your family loved you or thought you were important or special? Or your family didn't look out for each other, feel close to each other or support each other? Question five, did you often or very often feel that you didn't have enough to eat, had to wear dirty clothes and had no one to protect you? Or your parents were too drunk to, or too high to take care of you or take you to the doctor if you needed it? Question six. Were your parents ever separated or divorced? Question seven. Was your mother or stepmother often or very often pushed, grabbed, slapped, or had something thrown at her? Or sometimes, often, or very often, kicked, bitten, hit with a fist, or hit with something hard, or even repeatedly hit over the head a few times? Question eight. Did you live with anyone who was a problem drinker or alcoholic or who used street drugs? 
Question nine. Was a household member depressed or mentally ill, or did a household member attempt suicide? And question 10, did a household member go to prison? So there you have it. One point for each of those 10 questions, and you will get your adverse childhood experiences or ACE score. So how did you do? I think for many people, it's not uncommon to have a score of one or two. But remember in the Kaiser Permanente study, that of the 17,000 people, two-thirds of them had a score of at least one. And of those two-thirds, 87% had a score of more than one. So my score was a bit high. I wonder how yours was. And I invite you always to submit your questions or anything you'd like to tell me to com slash submit. If you have a question you'd like me to answer on air or you have a story that you'd like me to read on air, I'm happy to do that. So for relationshiphelp.com slash submit. So how does all this relate to you? The higher your score, the higher your risk for health and social problems. So are you hijackal or are you hijackal baked? Well, if you're listening to this program, it's highly unlikely you're a hijackal <laughs> because hijackals don't see themselves as needing any help. So who would listen to the Relationship Help Show if you were a hijackal? Well, let me answer that question because there are some hijackals who would. They would listen to the show in order to make me wrong and to write nasty things about me. So it's highly unlikely that there are hijackals watching, but if there are, um, that's what they're up to. So how does a person become hijackal or hijackal bait? Well, adverse childhood experiences is a big way that that happens. And can you do something to change? Yes, if you're the hijackal bait. Yes, if you're the hijackal. However, very few hijackals ever want to do that. Um, Carl Jung, psychologist, he said, I'm not what happened to me. I am what I choose to become. So there you have it. You can, in fact, change. You can make a difference. It's not quite that simple, of course, but you can change if you're willing. You know, I'm reminded of that, that joke, how many therapists does it take to change a light bulb? And the answer is only one. But the light bulb has to really want to change. And that's the case with each one of us, too. If we're not enjoying our life, if we're not finding joy and love and happiness and respect and trust and all the wonderful things that are available, then it's up to us to change, to look at what is happening and make a change because you deserve so much more. Just because you breathe and take up space, you deserve to be respected. And at a minimum, that's not going to happen when you're with a hijackal. So uh, I can help, but you have to be like a light bulb. You have to be willing to change. So very important. Now, another piece of research that we'll talk about at length another day is that toxic stress 
all that happens when you're in a relationship as a child with hijackals or with abuse and neglect and things like that, because abuse and neglect can come from people who are alcoholic or very, very highly motivated in their careers and don't have time for their children or they're using drugs or whatever. So they're not necessarily a hijackal. But if you have had toxic stress, it physically damages the developing brain of children. And that's research-based. Now, we know what toxic stress does to us as adults. So why would we be surprised that it does it to us when we're children and that it would have a lasting developmental effect? Because we as adults have difficulty with toxic stress. So it's no surprise that children would. They don't have language. They don't have an escape from it. They're not allowed to complain about it. If they cry, people who are very difficult with children or abusive or neglectful will tell them that they shouldn't cry, that they should stop crying. So they just adopt and become hypervigilant to try to keep those giants happy. And in the doing so, they create patterns in their own life that don't serve them well as adults. It may keep them safe or safer when they're with these giants that they need to feed them and take care of them, but it will not serve them well once they are adults. So I hope you're thinking about this. I hope you're allowing yourself some time to actually be still and be quiet and understand the absolute impact that having toxic stress as a child, having these adverse childhood experiences can produce for you. And I hope that's making sense. And I really mean what I said about um, you having a good time to sit quietly and reflect on all that I've said and to think about your score on that adverse childhood experiences checklist. So now here you see we have our guest, Christine Baumgartner with us. Hi, Christine. Hi, Roberta. Thank you so much for inviting me to be on your show. You're so welcome. Christine is a divorce coach and a loving and dating course. And I guess we should, I'm, I'm mistaken because that's not really a divorce coach is what you are. You're a love and dating coach. But today we're going to talk a bit about divorce. And, and uh, she has a great website. I love the name of it. It's called theperfectcatch.com. Isn't that what you want? The perfect catch. And don't but you want first, you have to learn how to be one. Exactly. Then you can one. That's right. And so we have a lot of things to talk about. So be sure after the show, not now, because we've got so many great things to talk about. But after the show, go and visit theperfectcatch.com because that's what you want to be and that's what you want to get. So welcome, Christine. So much to talk about. How about introducing yourself and telling people what you're most excited about right now, aside from your cat who wants to have something to say? <laughs> I don't know. I think she really likes your voice because she always talks when you're talking, Roberta. <laughs> Ethel, Ethel Mertz, that's her name. She belonged to my deceased husband and now she's solely mine. So what I'm most excited about right now is I keep continuing to meet. It's more, it's the most right now, even after all the eight years of being a coach, 
that are so willing to look at their themselves and their part in why they're not finding love and why their relationships aren't working. And that is the key element. And that we have to always look back at what are the messages we've learned through our most recent dating or marriages. And then what did we learn as children? And it's so clear about our topic today of what we learn that we don't even realize we're learning. And so when people are willing, they don't even know what they need to look at, but they say, I know there's something about me that is causing this. And it's not just as I thought when I was dating, it's just the shitty man that's sitting across the table from me. And I'd say next, next, next. And I said, but every man in Orange County cannot have these traits, <laughs> but they seem to all be sitting across the table from me. Hmm. Maybe it has a little bit to do with me. So then I found out it had everything to do with me. And that was the basis of my learning to be a coach and to be able to teach people now. So I love that people are looking inside. It's so wonderful. Yeah. And I'm so glad that you're helping them do that because when you're dating, you have a certain amount of stress just by the very nature of knowing that somebody's going to be sizing you up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And it's your heart. So it feels really 42 point font, you know. That's <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you're putting yourself on the line. You're being vulnerable. And guess what? That makes you prime for finding a hijackle. Oh, because yeah. when you're vulnerable and you want somebody to like you and approve of you and maybe even love you and think that you're the best thing since sliced bread in their life, you are not thinking clearly, are you? No. And then you've got the whole chemical thing going on where everybody says, I have to feel chemistry. Well, what I've learned is, especially for women, we go temporarily insane when that chemistry happens and we stop listening to our instincts. We stop listening to the warning bells. We don't pay attention to the red flags. And boy, as you and I have talked, those hijackles are so charming in the beginning that if you're not paying attention, you know, you're hooked. <laughs> You're hooked. That's right. And it's because you've become a pleaser. You, you, the balance is off because now you want someone to like you. You want that person to be interested in you. You want them to find you attractive in every possible way. And so you are not really sitting back and going, hmm, I wonder what I should be listening to. What are those red flags? You know, I've said so often and, and made a graphic of it, which, of course, I have hundreds of them on Facebook now. But it's very difficult to see red flags when you insist on wearing rose-colored glasses. Uh, I have so told people, this is Roberta saying, and I am using <laughs> it mercifully. I am just using it all the time. I just love it, love it, love it, love it. But it's the case, and that's what you're saying is, all right, you're looking at how do I please the other person, how and how am I attracting one after the other of people that I'm saying, hmm, what, is, is the dating pool that shallow? <laughs> and, and yet when you turn it on yourself and you say, okay, well, maybe I'm the constant in all of these situations. I have a friend who, who used a very expensive matchmaking service and she had to give all the criteria she wanted in a fellow. And for some reason, the criteria that she fixated on was six feet tall or over. And every time she met a guy and she met a whole lot of them, I would ask her after the date, how did it go? I don't know what that dating service is thinking about. He was five foot 10. 
Now that's just a deal breaker right there. And I said, you don't want a relationship. You've got to get your help, your head together and realize you don't want a relationship because you immediately cut them out as a possibility by using a tape measure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and that's just a way of, and I said to her, because she's a good friend, I said, that's your way of protecting yourself from getting hurt, but you will never find out who another person is while you are sitting there in judgment about how many inches tall they are. Yeah. And so to, to be vulnerable enough to date and to have the balance to be wise enough to look at what is actually there as opposed to what you'd like to be there. Yes. And so too, if we've been hurt, we've been lied to, we haven't picked well, we use that six foot to not get committed, to not really start dating. When I would tell my friends, I'd say, well, what do you think of the latest guy? And I go, he's so nice. I wouldn't marry him. And I said it over and over for years, but I never listened to that. And when I decided to get married, the next time it came out of my mouth, I went, why am I going out with men? I would never marry. Good point. But but, so it was my way of keeping them away because I knew and I didn't know, but I figured out that if I didn't do my work, I was going to marry somebody just like my ex-husband. And I didn't want to do that, but I didn't know those steps. So yeah, that's what that six foot thing is. I, I have women that come up and men, some not as much with this. I have to have this without the mental, emotional and spiritual sides as well. And not just what they look at. Right. And as I said to my friend, I said, how about you, you have a three date limit. If you don't like them after three dates, then, then you can say no. But how about stopping the three minute limit when you look, when they stand up to greet you and they're not six feet tall? It's such a wise advice, very wise advice. Yeah, it just didn't seem to make sense to me. And, and uh, she's still single. Um, And of course, it's everybody else's fault. But if you're not ready to have a relationship, any excuse will do. Oh, yes. There's lots. There's way more excuses to not. Absolutely. So today I've been talking about adverse childhood experiences and what that actually does. So I wanted to follow on with that theme with you for a minute. And have you ever had a client who's attracted to a hijackal or do you know any? Oh, yes. Um, Frequently I get clients and what I learn is that they've continually been hurt and let down and they think their instincts are terrible. It's just that they haven't been listening to them for all the reasons you and I've just talked about. And I have one client right now who actually married, was raised by two hijackals and married four. That's common. You know, I have many clients who have married more than one hijackal. So, What's been so fascinating throughout our coaching experience is she's seeing the pattern. She sees, oh, I couldn't do anything about it when I was a child, but now I have choices. And she saw how it had permeated all of her life that she never had, she hardly had had any good friends. All of her friends had been mean or deceitful or did her wrong, truly. I mean, not just made up in her head. She really attracted some awful people. And what she came to believe is that there was something truly wrong with her as a person. And it's so sad because that's what happens. 
And when we talked about it farther back, that's what the message that she got when she was a child, that she was a terrible person because of the crazy making life she had with two hijackal parents. Mm-hmm. And hijackals tend to say things to you, whether you're married to them or raised by them, they tend to say things to you like, nobody would ever want to spend time with you. You're such a waste of breath. They like to shame. And so it's not uncommon for her to be sidelined completely, thinking she wasn't worthwhile, she didn't deserve something better, that she couldn't have good expectations or high standards for what was all right in her life and what was it all right in ways that she was being treated. And so important for her to recognize that. So that's great that you could lead her to that understanding of where it came from, because that's definitely an adverse childhood experience and ACE. And, and we're all affected by our childhood experiences, adverse or otherwise. Yes. So it's important for us to recognize the depth of that influence. Sometimes we just pass it off, you know, especially if you've been with hijackals, because you've been taught to suck it up, like just You know, I have a cushion that my girlfriend gave me that's up on the wall over here in my office. And it says, put on your big girl panties and deal with it. And that's basically what we've been told if we've been raised by hijackals. You have no right to have feelings. You have no right to be sorry. You have no right to complain. You have no right to have expectations. Who do you think you are? Yeah. And when that happens, then we have the difficulty in the dating world. We have the difficulty of becoming hijackal bait because they're looking for people who will accommodate them. And they come on as so charming and wonderful, but they want to get you as quickly as possible. So it's not uncommon for a hijackal to meet you and then say, I can't believe it. You're my soulmate. You're just what I've been looking for. This is most wonderful. And then rush the process. They want to move in together. They want to, they want to be uh, an item. They want to marry you. They want to take you off and, and elope and marry you. And if they happen to be male, they want to impregnate you. Anything to do that. Gotcha. All right. Now I have power over you. And then the switch turns. Oh, yes. Then the switch Uh, turns and we have problems. So how in your life have hijackals affected your way of looking at things? Well, it's been interesting, you know, certainly talking to all these adults about their childhood. But recently I was talking to someone who knows of a family where the woman was married to a hijackal and she was spending time with their seven-year-old daughter and the seven-year-old daughter told her that she thinks she's a bad person Mm. at seven, Mm. at seven. I said, oh my gosh, you know, and hearing the dynamic of this family from this friend, I kept thinking, there, this is hijackal. This is so hijackal. The way that the husband treats the wife and the subservience of the wife. And then when these, she told me these words came out of this little girl, I said, it's getting passed along to the next generation. 
Oh, that's so true. And let's take a break because we want to look into that in depth and we don't want to be interrupted. So let's take a break for a moment and we'll be right back with my guest, Christine Baumgartner, dating and love coach from theperfectcatch.com. Hi, this is Dr. Roberta Shaler. Handling hijackles is exhausting. It's never-ending, an endless cycle of crazy-making, alienation, and constant drama. And cycles are difficult to step out of. I know, because I've been there too. And that's why I reach out to you to offer the insight, skills, and strategies you need to heal. My small group programs, Handling Hijackles and Hijackle Recovery and Rediscovery, will shortcut your journey to healing to save your sanity, and to stopping the crazy-making. Visit forrelationshiphelp.com slash join now, and let's talk soon. So I'm back with my guest, Christine Baumgartner, and she was just talking about some deep realization. She was talking about a friend of a friend who was reporting that a seven-year-old child in the home of a hijackal had told her mother something very distressing. What was that something, Christine? That the seven-year-old girl thinks she's a bad person. A bad person. How could you be a bad person at seven? I mean, right, so this goes back to what I was saying uh, earlier in today's episode when I was working with those two little children and I asked the little one, you know, why why did your daddy move out of the house? And her answer was because I left my bicycle behind the car. This is the brain development. So here's this little seven-year-old who's only had expressive language for a very short time in her very young life. And she's already taken in, internalized from this hijackle in her life that she's a bad person at seven years old she you know this is so sad and this is what happens and by the way in my world that's child abuse and I don't want to sugarcoat that in any way yes it's emotional abuse yes it's mental abuse but it is also child abuse to tell a child things that allows a child to think she's a bad person at seven years old and there must be things going on in the background for that child to have that idea. Until we're seven or eight, we don't have the development of the prefrontal lobes, which gives us rational, linear thought so that we can go from this happened, so that happened, and that's why that happened, and here's how I feel about it. Until that time, it's just me and the event, and I must have caused it. That's very simplistic, but that's pretty much how it goes. So there must have been things going on in that household where that child was constantly being reminded that she wasn't good enough, that she was maybe an object, maybe not wanted by that hijackal parent, or always remember everybody, big marker here, hijackals don't love you. They have uses for you. And that includes their children. So maybe this hijackal father had uses for the child. Maybe she used her as a pawn to make the mother feel bad. Maybe she used he used her to get out his rages when he was angry at something else. He would get angry at the child. 
these are the things that actually create adverse childhood experiences. What could be more appropriate today? So what do you think was going on there, Christine? Well, I asked some questions and the mom, it sounds like, was raised by a very overbearing, critical, probably hijackal mom. And the dad was very passive and not helpful at all in supporting this mom. And so she was perfect hijackal bait. And they've been married for quite a long time before they had this little girl. And so I said, so what's the mom like? And she said, well, she gets sick a lot and she never takes care of herself emotionally or physically. And he browbeats her a lot, you know, Mm. yells at her and the mom. So it made it seem to me that of course, if this is the atmosphere you're raised in and you can't choose what you're going to take in or think about, that that's exactly why this little girl was feeling that way. I mean, it was one of those kind of moments where you go, what? 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 You said what? Yeah. I'm sure I misheard. Because what seven-year-old girl thinks that? What seven-year-old child thinks that at all? And apparently she even said, you know, I know I'll never have friends and nobody will ever like me. And uh, it was just shocking. shocking. Oh, but the yeah. more I heard and the more I've learned from you, it I saw now it's generations. You know, the mom, I don't know as much about the dad, but the mom and now the daughter mm-hmm. is being raised by a hijackal as well. It's just insidious. Sure. So the mother's mother made her into hijackal bait. Mm-hmm. The father of the child recognized that as somebody malleable that they could dominate and control. And so she was normalized to that behavior. She entered into a relationship. She has a child, probably with the hope of having a much better experience and having wonderful love that will come from a child, not thinking about the influence of the hijackal father. And so she can do very little about that except defend the child. I was uh, talking with my uh, friend the other day, and he was saying that he was at a family gathering, and there were several grandchildren and children and, and, um, and the grandparents there. And one of the uncles was saying to one little child, he was really on her case. It wasn't his child. It was his niece. And it was really bugging her, like trying to be right, trying to push, trying to make the child wrong. And the child was feeling so badly and nobody was stopping it. So my friend just jumped in and said, no, do not speak to that child like that anymore. Leave her alone. And at that moment, my friend became the champion, the hero, I'm sure, for that little girl. But when you're a child at home, there's nobody to jump in and be that hero except the other parent. And then what you're describing right now, that other parent was incapable. Incapable. Yes. It really seems that way to me when I did, you know, asked more questions. It just absolutely seemed that this little seven-year-old is at the mercy of this hijackal. Wow. I know. It's tragic. And you think, when I now reflect on this client, that 
was raised by two of them. Every one of her work experiences, her bosses, her colleagues, any friends she's tried to make and her four marriages. Look what happens throughout the years for somebody who's raised in this atmosphere. It's all you expect. You know, you just think that's the way the world is. And you begin to think that that that's certainly the way your world is. But you begin to be very, very cautious and very um, pulled in on yourself and self-referential. And then you begin to believe the press that the hijackal is giving you. And that's where you get really, really caught because you start to believe that you're worthless. You start to believe nobody would want you. You start to believe that you're stupid, that you can't think your way out of a paper bag because a hijackal keeps telling you that. And it doesn't matter the evidence. I mean, my client has really, in spite of all this, been incredibly successful in her business world and still had so much trouble even owning that because of all the, as you love how you put it, the negative press that she'd always heard from all the adult people in her life, whether she was a child or even when she was an adult. And for her to slowly turn, it's been fascinating to watch, to say, well, yeah, I guess there have been some good things about me because that was just felt like the first place to go after was to say, well, Where's the evidence that you've been bad in business? Let's just start with that. And if you'll at least believe that, could we just have you believe that? Then we can have it start. Um, you believe that there's other good things about you. And it's, she's really actually made a couple good friends. She doesn't jump in too fast. She doesn't imagine what that there'll be. And she's so had a moratorium on dating. It's been so smart of her. And such good guidance you gave her, Christine. That's great. So remember, you have to find the good thing. There's always, because that's the thing I've learned is hijackle bait, as everybody generally, we have these really good parts of ourselves, but it gets completely overshadowed. We can't even see it. We can't even hear it from somebody else. And the other thing I learned was it doesn't matter who tells you, somebody you even respect, that's not a good person you don't listen to them. You don't listen to other people or yourself. So you're not going to listen to you're a good person either. You're only zeroing in. I've learned that you just, it's like you only hear the hijackal's voice. That's right. And that hijackal's voice is constantly just waiting to tell you the downside of your life and your downside potential. So thank you, Christine Baumgartner, the dating and love coach from theperfectcatch.com for sharing your insights and your experiences and a few client interventions too. You're doing a great job. Thanks so much for being with us today, Christine. Thank you very much for having me, Roberta. I think your work is wonderful. I'm so grateful that you're out there helping people. Thank you so much. So Wow, we've talked about a lot of really big things today. Wow. (laughs) Really, really big things, so much. So if it brought up questions for you, remember that you can ask me those questions. Go to forrelationshiphelp.com slash submit. Submit your question. Submit your story. And if you want to come on air, let me know right there, because if you'd like to tell your story, you're far enough from it that you that you could do that. Um, if you want to have a brief consultation with me to see if we're a good fit to work together and recover from hijackals, certainly visit forrelationshiphelp.com slash join. 
and you will see where to get a free consult. And next week, we're going to be continuing a little bit on this theme of how things have come from our childhood that allow us to experience the things that we most don't want um, in our adult life. And a little bit more about the health aspects of the adverse childhood experiences study, because we need to understand that that this all came from somewhere and we need to give it back. We need to start <laughs> playing on our own team and creating the life that we most want right now. So visit BBS Radio and find the uh, find Relationship Help Show, bbsradio.com slash Relationship Help Show, or visit my website, relationshiphelpshow.com and you can listen to the archives. So glad you were here. Hope you take great value and spend some time thinking about what we talked about and see you again next week. Bye-bye. Bye. There you have it. If you want more, you can work with Dr. Shayla directly. She's eager to help you resolve your relationship issues. Have a question? Call in early to next week's show to talk with Dr. Shaler on air. Get her expert insights and advice by subscribing to her blog, newsletter, and YouTube channel. We're here for you. Don't be a stranger. Join us again next week. And in the meantime, visit forrelationshiphelp.com.